go and open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. We're going to get into the message today on the kingdom culture of work. The kingdom culture of work. Say work. Work is a four-letter word, but it's not a bad word. Amen? And in our culture, in our generation, we honor quality work. Sometimes that's not celebrated anymore. Sometimes people are looking to get something for nothing. Sometimes people are looking to be lazy and get paid for it. The kingdom of God doesn't work like that. Amen. Amen. God blesses us and he blesses what we put our hand to do. And so I want to talk to you about the dominion authority that we have and the blessing of work. So if you open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, let me just give you some foundation again. We used this a few weeks ago, but we'll go back here again. Because when we talk about the kingdom of God, we're talking about dominion, we're talking about authority, we're talking about how God has set things up. First, or Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, all, over all the animals that scurry along the ground. I want you to capture that one verse for a minute, verse 28, because that is a very significant verse that sometimes we don't prioritize or we don't really meditate on it. But think about this for a minute. God makes man in his image, and then he gives him purpose. He gives him mission. He gives him vision. And you know, without purpose, mission, vision, people perish. They throw off restraint. Sometimes we don't know what we're to do. And God gave us an assignment. And then he not only gave us an assignment, he spoke his blessing. He pronounced the blessing over us, which is an empowerment to do this. Somebody say amen. You are blessed and anointed of God. Mankind was placed on this planet to be fruitful to multiply, amen, to produce, to bring increase where we walk and where we go. God has already announced it, that this is why you are here. You're not here just to take up oxygen. You're not here just to breathe, live, eat, and die. But you were born with a purpose, amen, and you're anointed of God that everything you would touch that God assigns you to do would increase. You walk in a room as a child of God, because remember, this is when we were in union with God. Man, God made man in his image, and they were in right relationship with him. So therefore, as God would lead man to do something in the earth, they would do it, and they were already anointed and blessed before they ever started, and then in the work they did, the anointing to do it was released, and fruitfulness and multiplication is their portion every single time. You are now reunited with God. Somebody say amen. You are God's child. You're in right standing with God. And so now as God puts things in your heart to be done, it will multiply. You can have confidence. Doesn't matter what's happening around you in the economy or the land or people's opinions or whatever, you are anointed to multiply. You are, and I'm not just talking about making babies, okay? I'm talking about what you put your hand to do. Work. You're anointed to bring in those clients. You're anointed to serve this world and make it a better place. You're anointed to be a problem solver and a creator. Amen. That's who you are. So you were made in the image of God, and then God gives us his blessing and mandate and then tells us to reign and to govern and have dominion. Psalms 115, verse 16, the Bible says it like this, the heavens belong to the Lord, but he's given the earth to men, or to humanity, the New Living says. So God delegated authority, God delegated dominion, the governing, the leading of this world and its realms and its influence and its domain to us, to human beings. But then we sinned. We took our dominion, we took our authority, and we surrendered it to the enemy, surrendered it to the devil when we chose to listen to him versus listening to God, the king. 
And so Luke chapter 4, verse 6, when Jesus is being tempted of the devil, the devil makes him an offer. And it wouldn't have been a temptation unless it was a genuine offer, unless it was a reality. Luke chapter 4, verse 6, the devil says to Jesus, all of this authority. See, he takes Jesus up to a high mountain. And the Bible says, shows him all the kingdoms of this world, all the influence, all the dominion of this world. And he says, all of this authority I will give to you, Jesus, and their glory, for it, this has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whomever I wish. Now, I don't believe the devil would have given it to Jesus. That part's a lie. But the reality was, he wasn't lying when he showed him the kingdoms of the world and said, this had been given over to me. Jesus knew that was reality. Because he saw when mankind sinned and bowed its knee to the devil and handed over the dominion and handed over the influence and handed over those kingdoms to the enemy. But Jesus didn't have to accept that offer of the devil because he was still the king. Amen. And he was going to take back all that dominion forever in a legal way that the devil could never undo again and that mankind couldn't mess it up again. Isn't that awesome? So Jesus already knew what he was going to do. But I want you to see that those realms, those places of influence, those mountaintops of influence that the devil's played around in those for a long time, and he sees them as his. He sees them as his. Some thoughts, though. I want to bring you back to this mountaintop conversation because you can go through different you know, sociology courses or whatever they'll talk to you about what makes up a society, but there are certain messages and preachers and books that have been written about this conversation about what makes a society and pillars of society, or we could today's conversation talk about places of dominion, mountaintops of leadership. But all these things, you can break it down into five mountaintops, you can break it down into three. This is particular conversation as these seven. But all society is kind of built on these places of dominion, these places of influence, these mountaintops of leadership. One is the mountaintop of religion. Another is the mountaintop of government, nations, kingdoms, domains, all have some form of government, education, how they train the next generation, how they teach people what to believe or what, how to do things in a proper way, media, media would be the communication, news outlets, you know, if you can control the media, we see this all the time today, if you can control the narrative, you can control people's belief, you can get them fired up about something or you can get them lackadaisical about something, you kind of point the direction of their energy, of where they go. Media is extremely important. Entertainment, entertainment throughout the generations, whether it was sports entertainment, whether it was music entertainment, whether it was people in theater or what we would consider movies, TikTok, television, whatever, we've always created heroes out of entertainers and they've captured messages and captured and made people feel something, and so they would take what they feel, they would take that energy that people would be inspired, and they would direct them into the way they would want them to go, so entertainment's a big deal. Family, how you create or destroy a family is very important because you have strong families. That makes a society strong. You have weak families, then they can be easily deterred and influenced, and you can steal the next generation, so family's a big deal. And business, you know, the money makers, where the income's, you know, coming from, and kind of who, people who have a lot of money many times influence a lot of these other areas because they kind of choke off the flow of resource to those areas unless they do what it is that they would like to be done. They can kind of manipulate the society or the country, or they can use their finance and influence in business to do something good with it because money is not the root of all evil. It's the love of money that's evil. Money is a tool. Money in the hands of bad people do bad things. Money in the hands of good people can do great things. And so you can't be afraid of money or you'll never allow God to put it in your hand. Every time money comes into your hand, you'll think it's like a hot potato and you'll want to get it out of your hand as fast as possible because it's going to make you stumble. Come on now. I would rather you ask God to mature you, amen, to handle a lot of it. <laughs> amen. God, don't let me have any money come into my hand. I'll stumble. How about God make me mature to know how to handle money? Right? And bring as much as you want into my hand because someone's going to get it. Amen. And put it in the hands of some good people. They'll do some great things. Don't be afraid of it is what I'm saying. Praise God. That was good preaching, I know. Some thoughts on this conversation. So the world, I also say the world system, that fallen system that the devil says that he's in charge of, even though he's already a defeated foe, the time is running short. 
the world and its system, they don't seem to have as much of a problem when we Christians are placed into this one mountaintop of religion. And everything we believe and everything that we want to do, we can dance in here, we can shout in here, we can say what we want to say in here as long as we stay in here. But the moment you step into government, the moment you step into education or taking over media mountaintops or taking over entertainment or family or business, if you begin to speak into how the family should be run, oh, don't touch that, amen. You start taking too much in business, oh, don't do anything about that, they'll ridicule you. If you start talking too much in the media, they'll shut you down. But man, you can stay over here and play in the religion mountaintop all you want as a Christian. What I want to help you see today is that God has sown you into different mountaintops and wired you up in different talents, anointings, and abilities. I talked about that a few weeks ago where I dropped some seeds into the soil of these mountaintops. Do you remember this conversation? All right. And he wants fruit in each of these mountaintops. What I want to communicate to you today is that all of this belongs to the Lord. Okay? The Bible says in Psalms 24:1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. Why is that important to believe? Because I don't want you to think that the only place you have purpose, the only place you can be called to is in this mountaintop. The world would love to shut us all down thinking this is the only place we fit or the only place our spirituality matters or fits. This all used to be God's. Do you understand this? It really still is. What I'm trying to help us communicate is the world isn't allowed to claim one of these mountaintops as theirs and somehow we're intruding into their territory. No, it was originally always God's. So we're just taking back what was always God's. Are you understanding this? So you fit in all of these mountaintops. You don't need permission from the world to say you fit or that you, religion or spirituality is meant to go. The world was never going to function properly without people connected to God in each of these areas of influence. That's why the world is broken. Are you seeing this? But if you kind of feel like you have to ask permission as a Christian, am I allowed to be in the media mountaintop? Do I belong here? Yes, you belong there because your God made this planet, made these systems, come on now. Am I allowed to be in this entertainment mountaintop? I gotta ask permission of the world. No, you don't. All you need is the king's permission. All you need is the king's assignment and purpose. I want you to remember this all belongs to God. We don't need permission from the world to tell us where we're allowed to function, where we're allowed to speak, where we're allowed to influence. They'll make you think it's theirs and they're kind of letting you in, but in reality they've hijacked it and we're taking it back. You're taking it back. Amen. The world says we only belong in the religion mountaintop or kingdom, and that is not true. We were given dominion, remember Genesis 1, we were given dominion by God over all creation. Children of God were meant to run the whole thing. Do you remember this? We belong in all of these mountaintops. Do not be intimidated or believe that you do not belong in one of these mountaintops because you won't act confident when you're there. And you'll constantly be waiting for the world to affirm you in their space. But you don't need the world to affirm you being there because the king has assigned you to be there. You don't need their affirmation. You don't need them to applaud and say, yay, the church is getting involved in our stuff. They're never going to do that. Your applause comes from the king. Your applause comes from heaven. Amen. Your applause comes from obeying the king, and it belongs to him. And if you don't feel like it belongs to him, if you feel like it really does belong to the world, you won't, in, you won't passionately get involved in taking it back. Because you will, if it belongs to somebody else, why would you take it from them? Are you understanding what I'm saying? But it doesn't belong to them. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Amen. This planet will never work right unless people connected to the king 
are in places of influence and leadership. It will never work right without it. God sows you into the soil of these mountains to grow and to bring forth fruit. Today I want to talk to you about your work and your worship and how that goes together. That's important for you to understand how what you do with your life, with your career, with your gifts, with your talents is connected to your worship of the king. Are you understanding? I got a phone over here that's ringing. We'll call you back. I want to talk to you about your work and your worship. We do not leave, listen to me today, church, we do not leave our place of work and go to the mountain of religion once a week and worship. I want you to see this for just a minute. I want, just follow me on this train of thought. It's not like I'm, gonna, I'm a teacher. You say, okay, I'm gonna, I teach during the week. Now I'm going to go to church and I'm going to worship God. We do worship God together on Sundays, but I want you to see something. What you do to educate our youth is worship to God all week long. They're not separate. We see even in our own minds as believers, we separate all this. Like, like this is godly. What we do on Sunday, what we do in this sanctuary, what we do here, those are the godly things. These are the godly things. And if they're godly, they're powerful. They're holy. They change people's lives because they're connected to eternity. And I need you to start seeing what you do as part of your worship, the work that you do as part of your worship, not just what you do on Sunday, but what you do all week long. We do not leave our place of work and go to the mountain of religion once a week and worship. We worship while we work. Our work can be a form of worship to God. Listen to me, don't use this, don't, don't flip this too much in the wrong way. Listen to me, we do not worship our work. We do not worship our work, but we can worship God by how we work, right? Don't make your job your God, which means he's not your, it's not your source. And you don't even give your talents and your gifts to the job. You're giving your talents and your gifts to the king who's assigned you in that garden, in that field. And so everything you put your hand to do is to his glory. Amen. How you work, what you say, what you do, how you multiply. Right? Remember, because you're anointed. The reason you're going to prosper in your careers and your jobs is because you're anointed to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and subdue it. That's why Joseph, everywhere he went, was multiplying things. Daniel was always multiplying things because that's what believers do. That's why the world should want to hire believers more than anybody else because like Daniel, like Joseph, if you get a spirit-filled man or woman of God in here, they'll start figuring things out. They'll start leading by example. Everything they touch is going to come together and prosper. Amen. But there's some faith that needs to be released when you go to work. Because if you just see it as drudgery, you just see it as provision, just to feed the family, get through the day, then you're not seeing it as territory. You're not seeing it as a mountaintop of influence. It doesn't even matter where you start in the company. You've been sowed into the mountain, and at some point you do a great job, you live for God, and you will continue to be seen because you're a city on a hill and you cannot be hidden. Even if people try to hide you under a bushel, they can't hide you, the devil can't hide you, because what you can produce and the light and favor of God upon you will make a way and prosper you in that company. It doesn't matter where you start, just get your foot in the door. If God's called you there, sent you there, just get started. Amen? Colossians 3, 23 and 24, whatever you do, say whatever you do, do it with all your heart as unto the Lord. So whatever field you're working in, you're really working for God. It changes your attitude, doesn't it? You can look at your boss, and I don't know who your boss, so I'm not trying to criticize, but you may look at your boss and say, this person is a lemon. But you're not working for that person. You're working for the Lord. So you don't set your temperature and you don't set your effort based on everyone else around you. If everyone else around, around you is lazy, who cares? You're going to be the best. Because you're salt, you're light, you represent the kingdom. Amen. Do it with all your heart as under the Lord, not in men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord 
Jesus Christ, the Lord Christ. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2. Let's look at another verse. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. I want to speak this over us and kind of open our thinking on this. Work is not a curse. Work was not part of the fall. Are you understanding? We were always meant to put our hand to something, to work. Work was a blessing. Work should be considered in some perspective as a blessing. The ability to work, strengthen your body. Amen. Opportunity to do something. The releasing of creativity. Work was, is blessed. Work is a blessing. Work is not a curse. Work was never part of the fall. Work without God was part of the fall. Working in your own flesh, working by the sweat of your brow, working without the blessing, working without the anointing, that's the curse. Work was never a curse. Amen. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he'd made, The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful, produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed. There's like four rivers that flow through there, not the barbecue place, but there's multiple rivers that were flowing through there. Jump down to verse 15. The Lord God placed, verse 15, the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend it. Some translations say to cultivate it. Some translations say to work it. You understand, this is before the fall. God plants a garden. It's perfect, it's beautiful. And then he puts his creation, his human beings, in it to work. To tend it, to watch over it. Do you see there, my friends? This is before the fall. The fall didn't happen until the next chapter. It was always God's design to take his children, plant a garden, put them in that garden, and give them the job to grow it, to multiply it, to produce things, so they could be a part of the creation experience just like their heavenly father, and to defend that garden, protect it from anything that would try to come and pollute that garden. Man was given a purpose, responsibilities from the very beginning. We were not meant to just walk around singing songs and praying. Mankind was to use its gifts, its energy to create, to protect, to develop things and further what God was doing. That's when we're at our best. That's when we're at our best. Work is how we release, please be writing these things down, work is how you release anointings. Work is how you release giftings. Work is how you tap into the creativity God has placed on the inside of you. And that's the dominion being released into that soil. It's one thing to walk into a place and say, I release dominion. Do your job. You can walk in all day and say, I release dominion. Get to work. Start fixing things. Start solving problems. Start creating solutions. Start producing fruit. Come on. That's dominion. That's dominion. Amen. So you can pray all you want. God put me in these mountaintops. But if you go into these mountaintops and you don't produce anything, you're not wanting to work. You're not wanting to put in the seed, right? Because work is seed to produce harvest. Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, not to just enjoy the fruit of the garden, but to continue to develop, cultivate, grow it. And in doing so, they would learn things about themselves. They would tap into potential they didn't know they had had. They would learn things about God, and they would worship God to watch it grow. And you will worship God as you watch your influence, and you watch what your talents and your anointings produce. Say, God, thank you for letting me be a part of solving that problem. God, thank you for letting me be a part of creating that in the earth. Problem solving, multiplying, creating, producing is all a part of dominion. It's important that we see our work, our mountain, as part of our calling and worship. I want you today to see your 
work, your mountain as a part of your calling. Say calling. Calling and worship. But you may say, but Pastor Kevin, I thought only preachers and missionaries had a calling. No. God is calling his kids who are the church and sowing you into different places to bring forth his will in the earth. You have to see how he's wired you up, the talents and abilities he's given you, as your calling, because it changes the passion. It changes how you fight for it. It changes how when the devil tries to push you out, you're saying, I'm not leaving because I'm called to this mountain. I'm not, you can't push me out of my calling. The devil didn't call you in, he can't call you out. Are you understanding this, my friends? But too many people think of it not as a calling, but as a job. Now, I understand there's certain jobs and certain things that aren't like your life's call. Maybe you're working at a fast food place right now. You're like, that doesn't feel like a calling. Unless it's Chick-fil-A. Then that could be a calling. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, you can like get baptized in a special sauce, you know? I don't know what they put in it, but it's manna somewhere. But listen, it's not so much even the job, but it's being called by the king into a field to accomplish his will for a certain place or time. So even if you are working at a fast food place for now, if you see it as a calling and not just a job, you're not just there to get a paycheck, you're there on assignment. And maybe there's people in that place that need you to bring your talents, your gifting, your attitude, your wisdom, your testimony, and everything you do preaches. So not just your words, but also your work. Are you hearing me, church? And so that current job may not be your forever calling, but you're never not called or in your calling because you're called for your whole life to obey the king, to release the blessing wherever you are sent in that season. Amen. So wherever you are, even if you are in a current occupation that is not your forever calling, you're still called in that occupation to be fruitful, to multiply, to produce. Amen. But it changes it when you don't just see it as a job, but you see it as walking out your calling. And your calling is every bit as important and eternal as any missionary or any preacher because it's the king sending you into what belongs to him. Amen. And he wants you there. Please don't separate what you do here and say what I do over here is holy, what I do over here is sacred, what I do over here is anointed, what I do out here is for a paycheck. You will spend five to six days a week, 40 to 80 hours a week working. It's typical. You are not out of your calling 80 hours a week. <laughs> Amen. You are connected to God. You are connected to your purpose and your calling all week long. You're not, do you see this? You, you give so much of your life, so much of your talent, so much of yourself and your time to these areas. It would be silly to think that for some reason you're not the church in those areas or you're not anointed or you're not, you're, you're not doing something of your calling in these areas. All of it works together. Your whole life belongs to God. Everything you do is under the Lord. You're not doing something secular during the week and something spiritual on the weekend. You are a spirit. Everything you do is spiritual. Amen. It's really important. Adam and Eve, think about it this way. If we, if we put church and religion into that mountaintop, of, in that box of a Sunday service, thinking that's what God thinks is spiritual, that's what God thinks is calling, Adam and Eve were not called to be preachers. Did you know that? They weren't called to sing in a choir. They weren't hosting worship services with bands. They weren't called to be ushers. They weren't like walking up and down like the aisles of Eden like with buckets. They weren't called to put on services. They were called to cultivate the garden. They were called to farm. They were called to name animals. They were called to defend God's creation. They were called to have a family. 
And all of that was pleasing God. All of that was walking with God. All of that was fulfilling their purpose. Adam and Eve didn't have any of this to hide behind and say, what I do in that building is my calling. They just had the life and the world in front of them to go be fruitful and multiply and everything they put their hand to do, things they would create, problems they would solve, things they would do to defend what God was doing. That's calling. That's dominion. Did you, get on, did you catch that? Or is that too far out there for you? They didn't have a church building to say that's church, that's anointing, that's calling. None of that existed. None of those things that we really do believe in and we do value. We do value our ushers. We do value our Sunday experience. We do value all those things. But that's not the totality of being called. People have been called from the beginning before there were church buildings, before there were services, before there were any of that. And it was just go be a child of God, and produce something in the earth. Amen. I believe worship is not just the songs we sing, but it's what we do with our lives, with our time, with our talents. God has created you with a dominion gift pre-programmed inside of you. Using that gift is an act of worship. The best thing any creation can do to honor its creator is to be the best at what it was created to be. Let me say it like this. The best thing a flower can do to honor its creator is to be the best flower it can be. A flower is not judged against a skyscraper and say, well, you're not a skyscraper. The flower wasn't called to be a skyscraper. It's called to be a flower. Amen. It was called to look beautiful, be fragrant, to help you apologize to your wife. <laughs> we are grateful that a flower does what its flowers anointed to do. Amen. There are times I don't need it to be a horse. I need it to be a flower. The best thing a creation can do to honor and worship its creator is to be the best at what it was created to be. If you're created to be a teacher, then be the best teacher. If you're created to be an entertainer, be the best entertainer. If you're created to be in sports and an athlete, be the best athlete, all to the glory of God. All to the glory of God. Not just when you go to church on the weekend, but while you're doing your gift. If you're a business person, then make as much money as God has blessed you to make. Go buy businesses. Go start new ones. All to the glory of God. And that's part of your worship. You don't worship the money. You don't worship the success. You worship God. And you remember who brought it to you. You remember who gave you the gift and the talent and the ability and the anointing to do it. Are you understanding this? You give your best. That's the best way to honor the Creator and worship him is to be the best at what he created you to do. Let me say it like this. You are worshiping God in the soil of your mountain as you give your best work back to him. Your worship dominion is not compartmentalized to Sundays. Here's some kingdom work philosophies. I'm going to read them really quickly to you. They're also in the notes I provided on the app. But listen to this. Kingdom work philosophies. Number one, work is reaping from what we sow. So your work is a seed and you, your paycheck in return or the increase in return is harvest from what you've sown. Work is our seeds, not just for a paycheck, but it's seeds for change in the earth. Our work is seeds. You've got to see it that way. Your work is a seed. How you honor God through your work, that's your seed. It's all seed. Everything is seed time and harvest. Seed time harvest, right? Work is goods and services that help humanity. I want you to define what work is. As God gives you ideas and God puts you in certain fields, I want you to see how he sees work. Works are, work is goods and services that help humanity. You could be a plumber, that helps humanity. You can be an electrician, that helps humanity. You can be a teacher, that helps humanity. Are you understanding? You're making the world and people's lives better. You can be proud of that, you should be. Goods and services that help make humanity better. 
Work is part of how we take dominion. That's a kingdom philosophy. Work is not separate from my dominion. Work is not separate from my calling. Amen. Kingdom work philosophies. Work is not a curse. Work is one way that we worship God. Laziness is not a kingdom culture. Say amen. Amen. Laziness is not a kingdom culture. Wanting something for nothing is not a kingdom culture. Getting the most by putting in the least is not a kingdom culture. We give our best. Expecting to receive without sowing is not a kingdom culture. Let me just give you a few examples in the Bible of biblical examples of people who had worked, sowed their gifts, used their dominion outside of the typical religious setting. Let me just give you a few examples. Do you have time for just a few more things, okay? Let me just give you a few biblical examples real quick. Joseph. In the Old Testament book of Genesis, Joseph was, I mentioned him earlier, he was sold by his brothers. He went and became a slave in Egypt, okay? He began to prosper in Potiphar's house. That was who he was purchased by as a slave. He was kind of set over the house to manage. So he was a manager. Thank God for godly managers. Somebody celebrate godly managers. He was a godly manager, someone you could give responsibility to. There's not enough people in the world that you can trust responsibility to anymore, unfortunately. We need to be people that are willing to raise their hand and say, I can do that. I'll take some responsibility. People want to blame each other, but no one's getting involved to help fix some things. Joseph was a fixer, amen. He could fix some things. He's a manager. In Potiphar's house, he was lied about, and they put him in prison, so he began to prosper in the prison. And again, here's his management skills. He could organize. Thank God for our organizers, people that could create systems and processes, amen, so that the jail doesn't run out of food, so that the people know, everyone knows who's getting fed and what time to be you know, doing whatever chores they would have to do and organize things. God has anointed you to be administrative. See, it's so important you start seeing what you're doing as a gift from God, as a calling. The world needs you. The world needs administration. The world needs organizers and managers and developers and process producers, not just preachers who who can speak. Because the world will fall apart if we just have communicators with no processes systems. You're anointed, designed by God, and as you release your gifts, you're showing dominion in that place. Joseph was eventually brought, those giftings raised him up to a place of government leadership and economy, where he was running the economy of the kingdom of Egypt, which was the world's largest economy at that time. You have no idea, as you're faithful in little things, and you're using and sowing and releasing your gifts and your talents in the prison and in Potiphar's house, how it's preparing you for greater and greater things. But Joseph was called not to the church, not to a religious temple or building. He was called in business. He was called in administration. He was called into government. He was anointed to be there. He belonged there. Daniel was also anointed in government. Daniel, if you look through the book of Daniel, God kept putting him in places of leadership. We need godly men and women in government. Do not delegate government away to the world and say, oh, that's wicked, that's evil, or that's so far gone, it's so lost, it can never be fixed. That's not true. It just needs men and women of God in there. Anything could be fixed with anointed men and women of God in there. School systems can be fixed. Economies can be fixed. Businesses can be fixed, and nations can be fixed. But we need young men and women and older men and women to get back involved again and not let it go and say, that's wicked, that's evil. We're all going to put our most talented people in church buildings. No, that's a strategy of the devil. Let God place you where he wants you. And don't feel insecure or don't feel unspiritual because you have a desire to produce business or a desire to be in government or a desire to be in media because it's not godly. Everything you touch becomes godly if you do it to honor the Lord. Amen. Abraham was into cattle and property. Praise God. David was a king. 
He wasn't a preacher. He wasn't a worship leader. He was a king in government. And he was in military. You can be godly and express dominion in the military. And we need godly leaders in our military. But again, if you think about it as, no, that's corrupt, that's worldly, that's dirty, then the church won't get involved and we're all going to go over here where it's clean. Over here where it's holy and good and all this. We were designed for this. And like Jesus, you can walk into an unclean place and if it touches you, it's not going to make you unclean. The, great, the greater heat is in you than he is in the world. And the, and the godliness and the anointing in you can push out the uncleanness. Just like Jesus. Oh, by the way, you're the body of Christ. Come on now, church. And that's powerful. You have other people in the biblical examples that worked outside of religion. Ruth was a caregiver. And she released her anointing in the earth by being a caregiver to her mother-in-law. Amen. Got plenty of caregivers around, and God sees you, and you're moving in your calling, and God will link that to some destiny through your life if you do it with all your heart and you do it with grace and you do it with love for God. Ruth was a caregiver. Tabitha, Tabitha or Dorcas in the New Testament was a seamstress. She was a businesswoman, and she would feed and care for the poor. Again, not a preacher, not a priest, not a worship leader, but she used her gifts and her abilities to help people, goods and services. And she's noted as being one of the great, so important and so necessary that when she died, that all the widows got together and they went to the apostle and said, you need to raise her up. <laughs> because she's so important. But yet she wasn't a preacher. She wasn't a pastor. She wasn't in a church building. Are you hearing me, church? But that's how important she was to her generation. Proverbs 31, woman. If you go through there, some of us don't even know what that is. When I was uh, in college growing up, all the you know, kids, guys in church, I want to marry a Proverbs 31 woman. But you don't even know what it is. <laughs> Read it. You know who she is? She's an entrepreneur. She's a businesswoman. She takes care of her family. She makes clothes. And she goes and sells clothes. And then she, she begins to sell property. <laughs> this woman is amazing. Right? She she's, has a career, and she's loving her kids and loving her husband. And, and I, it's funny, because when you read about a Proverbs 31 woman, she's, she's like up early in the morning, and she's working with her servants, giving them jobs, which, by the way, she's got servants. Come on now. Or, or she's got like ha people to help her with her house. Come on. Some of us would be like, I could be a Proverbs 31 woman if I had some help around here, you know. <laughs> Come on. Don't tell me to be a Proverbs 31 woman, and you won't let me hire some help, you know. That's, that's free. I'm just giving that away for free. If you want to be a, have a Proverbs 31 woman, you've got to set her up for success. Give her some help, people. Come on. Anyway, that's sidetracked. That's for a different sermon for a different day. But yeah, anyway. What I want you to see, though, is she was not a preacher. She's not in a church building. But yet she releases her anointing. She releases her gifting. She releases her abilities. And her family's increased and blessed. She begins to be a great testimony of, of a godly individual in her culture and her society by the way she works, by the way she lives. And the last one I want to show you is in Exodus 31. Exodus 31. Open your Bibles to Exodus 31. There's two individuals I want to introduce you to and we'll close. Bezalel and Aholiab. People that you maybe never even knew existed. Bezalel and Aholiab. Exodus 31. The Lord is building the tabernacle. He has a desire to build the tabernacle. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I have specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Listen, he's, he's anointed. Can you say anointed? He's filled with the Spirit of God. Listen, what does that anointing do? It, it's beyond wisdom. Listen to what it does. It gives him great wisdom and ability and expertise in all kinds of craftsmanship. 
So it wasn't just anointing to know things. He was anointed to work with his hands. Not just sing songs. He could work with metal. He could work with, with, with material and cloth and wood. Amen. God gave him wisdom, ability, expertise, and all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, an expert in working with gold, silver, bronze, skilled in engraving, mounting gemstones, and carving wood. He is a master at every craft. And I have personally appointed Aholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, to be his assistant. Moreover, I have given special skill to all the gifted craftsmen so they could make all the things that I've asked them to make. Can you just feel that for one minute before we dismiss? When's the last time you heard that if you're a craftsman, you work with your hands, that you were a, there's an anointing of the Spirit of God on you to create things with your hands? We think anointing is just preaching. Anointing is just singing. Anointing is just casting out a demon or healing a sick person's body. Anointing also builds these buildings. Anointing builds orphanages and schools. Anointing creates cars that we can drive in, amen, and go preach the gospel. Anointing produces media and television and radio. Anointing produces foods and meals. Anointing, Spirit of God on our hands for what we can produce, goods and services that we can produce to help people and make the world a better place. Anointing as a craftsman, as a doctor, as a nurse, as a teacher, as a painter, as a problem solver. Are you understanding this, church? In all of these mountaintops, all of these and more used their gifts outside of the church. They released their dominion and brought glory, praise, worship to God in their fields. I'm attempting today to awaken you to the power and sanctity that is in your work. Your work is holy. Your work is a calling. Your work and where you are right now, you are on destiny and purpose right now. When you see your work as worship, part of your dominion assignment, you begin to lean into God's anointing to succeed in your work. You can expect God to be, come alongside of you and to prosper you and increase you at what you set your hand to do. Your work is not just a job. It is a field. It is a mountaintop a place where God desires harvest. You may say, I thought my work was just paying bills. It is not just about paying bills. It is about seeking first the kingdom of God. And all those things will be taken care of. See the anointing, see the purpose in your work as you go give 80 hours to it throughout this week. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Did you get anything out of that today? Let's give God praise for his word. Would you please give God a big thank you? for his word this morning. Amen. Let me pray this into you and then I'm gonna give an opportunity to receive Jesus as your savior. If I could ask you just not to leave just for the next two minutes, let me just pray and we'll release you. Heavenly Father, right now I thank you for your word and your word has signs that follow. And God, I ask that this week as we go into our fields, as we go into our mountaintops, and we begin to release our giftings, we begin to release our anointings, that we are fruitful, we multiply, we fill the earth, we subdue it, that God, we release our dominion by making everywhere we are better and releasing your will in those situations. God, thank you that in this room, there's so many gifts, so many talents, so many callings. I ask that you help us to see ourselves as called of God to do things you've wired us up to do. And Lord, I pray we lean into it stronger. We lean into it. Begin to believe God for greater harvest and production. All for the glory of God. Lord, I thank you that in this room is solutions to problems in this world. In this room are anointings that are meant to be activated in this city, in this time, for such a time as this. There are anointings and influence that are meant to be activated in this social media time and as their platforms go throughout the earth that they would see it and use it as unto the Lord. We give you thanks. We give you praise. And may all the glory and honor and harvest be unto you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say a big amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. So let me ask you, if you are not right with the Lord or you don't know if you're right with the Lord, let me just give you a few scripture. The Bible says, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. 
it's important that we realize every single one of us, no matter how good we are or how bad we may think we are, we all need a savior. The wages of our sin, the penalty price of our sin is death, separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. The Bible even gives us the how-to. It goes on to say, all who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so today I want to give you an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And you're not just saved from sin and from hell. You're saved into the family of God, into the kingdom of God. And so today, if you don't remember, if you've ever prayed a prayer to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity today. If you say, man, I've never asked Jesus to be my Lord and Savior, in a moment I'm going to give you a chance to raise your hand and I'll pray a prayer with you right there at your seat. Or you may say, Pastor Kevin, at one time I had a relationship with Jesus, but I let it grow cold. I let it kind of grow distant, separated. And I'd like to restart that relationship. If that's you today, when I count to three in a minute and pray, I want you to raise your hand. So if you'd all just bow your heads and close your eyes for the next 30 seconds, I'm going to ask the question. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, when I count to three, just raise your hand and we'll pray for you right at your seat. Or you say, I want to recommit my life to the Lord today. I want to start fresh. When I count to three, just raise your hand. We'll pray for you right at your seat. Ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you please just put your hand up right where you are? You want to get right with God today? Put your hand up. There's a hand over there. Thank you. There's one. Anyone else today? I am not right with God, but I want to be. Just place your hand up and we'll pray for you right where you are. There's a second hand. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else today? Third. Thank you. Praise God. All right, church. Let's all pray together. We'll pray for you that's online as well. If you want to commit or recommit your heart to Jesus, just pray this prayer with us right now, would you? Church, let's all pray together. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I've sinned and I've walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Be my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Save me from my sin. And thank you for saving me into the family of God. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you celebrate all those that prayed that today? Welcome home. Welcome home. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.